Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Hate to break up the conversation. I know you guys are having a good time, but uh, we need to preach up in here. I am so glad that you're here. Welcome if you're joining us online. Uh, no matter where we are, we're always connected, we are, and we are part of the body of Christ, whether you're watching us at home or watching us from a home church and get people gathered around. We are Faith Co. Church, and we're part of the body of Christ. Amen? Well, we are continuing a series today, and I've just got this week and next week, and then I'm going to move on to a brand new series that I'm really excited about. But let's, let's conclude, or, or let's, let's dive into this before we conclude next week. In Psalm 37 23, this is kind of like the tag verse we've been talking about the last few weeks. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. Uh, you've probably got that verse memorized by now, because what happens is, is when you give your life to Christ, you join his body you become a child of God, and your life is no more random. It's kind of like you have, you're a part of his, of his work and his purpose, and now he directs your steps. Well, Proverbs tells us that there is a way that seems right, or there is a path before each person that seems right, but the end leads in death. Even the person with the, with the best intentions can get off track. We can fall in with the wrong crowd. We can make a bad decision. Well, what happens many times is I believe that God will step into our lives and he will save us because we are his children. Just like you would for your child, God will step into our lives and he will send somebody to us when we're headed down a wrong path or headed down a path of destruction. He will also send us into somebody's life. So this is, this is kind of the idea behind this series intervention. Well, let's kick this off with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord for intervening in our lives already. And thank you for speaking to us. I pray that we will open up our hearts and minds to receive what you want to say to us. In Christ's name, and everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, he saved you. Now look at him again and say, he saved me too. Through intervention. Now we've been talking about how God will intervene in somebody's life. We've covered a lot of Bible stories. We've been talking about how God will intervene in somebody's lives. And we also began talking about how we can intervene in the lives of other people. Well, there's a story in the Bible that I believe is overlooked many times that it, it is a really incredible story of intervention because I believe it's special because it's about a father that intervenes in the life of his son at a very, very important moment in his life. That man is Jacob. His son's name is Benjamin, and their story is in Genesis, the 35th chapter and the 16th verse. Let me read it. It says, leaving Bethel, what was going on was Jacob was moving, and uh, he, had, he, he had his whole family and all of his servants around. It says, leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on toward Ephrath. But Rachel, who, is, who was his wife, went into labor while they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense. After a very hard delivery, the midwife, which would be a, a nurse today, finally exclaimed, hey, don't be afraid. You have another son. And Rachel was about to die. But with her last breath, she named the baby Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, Jacob, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Now, I want you to think about that. Immediately in this moment, which was a very, very critical moment, Rachel, his mother, named him Sadness, or son of my sorrow, basically named him Sadness. But Jacob stepped in at a critical, pivotal moment, intervened on the life of his son 
after his wife passed away and said, no, 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 I'm going to name you something different. Listen, I don't know what it's like around your house, but if I'm going to completely undo what my wife said, it's going to be when she's away from the house for the next five days. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know if you, got ever, if you guys ever done that where it's like, I don't care what mama said today, for the next three days we're eating cereal. You know what I'm saying? But if that happens, mama's got to be gone for a while. But uh, what I was looking at this is why this even mattered to Jacob. I want to dive into this. Why did this? Because he had, he had 13 sons. What difference did, he make, did it make, this last youngest son? What, what difference did it make? Remember, intervention is all about how God sends the right person at the right time to do or say the right things in order, in order to save us from a path of destruction. I want to talk to you today about how I believe that Jacob was the perfect intervention for his son, Benjamin, because first of all, of his love, because of his love, jo Jacob actually cared. Intervention, as far as intervention, love always has to be the motivating factor. Would you agree with that? It's, it's got to be based on love. If, if you're going to intervene in somebody's life, if you're going to take a step, you're going to take the initiative, the motivating factor has to be love. Otherwise, otherwise there's going to be rejection. Here's another thing. We talk about how when, when someone cares, or we talk about intervention, that's when somebody steps into your life or you step into somebody's life. It's all about when somebody cares to be there enough when you need them the most. That's, that's kind of the idea of this, this story. It was not just that he intervened, he intervened at a certain moment, a certain time in his life when he needed him the most. I got to thinking about that. I mean, as I looked at this story, I thought of my only son. Maybe as you read this story, hopefully you read it, you think of your son or your daughter. When it comes to kids and timing, you don't get doors. You don't get garage doors of opportunity. What I've learned is through different seasons of their lives, you get small windows. You get small windows of time and critical moments in their lives. For example, when your, your, your son or your daughter is born, you get about zero to three years old to really, really get close to them and, 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 and bond with them. And then three and four years old, those preschool years, that's another window of opportunity. And then, you know, when they're five years old, they go off to school, elementary school, if you will. You got a window of opportunity to seize and to teach them about the Lord and, and so forth. And then as they are teenagers, 13 to 14 years old, that's, a number, that's another window. That's a small window of opportunity for you to make an imprint on their lives. And then after that, you got, you know, until they get out of high school. That's, that's a small window. We just have windows of, of timing. I want you to know that, that Jacob had a window, a small opportunity, and timing was a big, big deal in this story. It was in the beginning when, when Benjamin was to be born. Timing was everything in this moment. Rachel was on her way out of life. Benjamin was on his way into the world. Life was ending for one person, and life was beginning for two people. In a distressed, painful death, Rachel was transferring her sorrow onto a brand new life. Think of that for a second. Think of how critical, and I, and I understand. Here's what I thought about that. We have to be careful to how we respond to what someone puts on us when they're on their way out of our lives. Are you with me? Let me say that again. We have to be careful how we respond to what someone puts on us 
when they are on their way out of our lives. Rachel, the view of this birth was this boy is killing me. But that had nothing to do with him. She responded with blame. She, she responded with transferring of all, all of her sorrow onto her unborn son or her being born son. Many times when someone is leaving, they transfer everything that is wrong with them onto the other party. Have you ever seen this? When somebody is leaving, I've seen this before in divorce, that when somebody is leaving somebody else, they point to that person and they blame them. Have you ever seen this? They blame them to the extent and, 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 and where that person, as, as you know, they're left there, they begin to change everything about themselves because they think to themselves that what's wrong with me? I've seen it in friendships. I've had people and I've had to talk people through loss of friendships when, when the, they, as, as this person was breaking up this friendship, they pointed at them with all the things that were wrong with them when the truth was when you dig down into the matter, the truth was that friend that left this other friend was actually just insecure and jealous. But what happens is when somebody leaves your life, many times they point to all the deficiency in your life. They transfer what's going on with them, all the trouble, all the sorrow. The, the truth is they are broken and they can't stay or whatever. I've seen it in churches before. I've had people leave my life or, or leave church and point at me. I've been doing the same thing for 25 years. And I've had, I had to stop meeting with people of, of why they're leaving the church because I couldn't live with it anymore. I've seen people that were leaving jobs that pointed to the job. The truth is they didn't want to work, but they were blaming the job for everything that is going wrong. Let me say it again. We have to be careful to how we respond to what someone puts on us when they are leaving our, or when they're walking out. Amen? And Jacob recognized this. He was there. He was there in love. People who intervene are there when you need them the most. Amen? Intervention is not just about being the right person. It's about being the right person at the right time. Don't just don't just do what needs to be done, but be there when, you, when it needs to be done. Listen to this. Proverbs 17 and 7 says, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times, through the good times, through the bad times. You know, a friend loves you when you're wrong. Now, they get in your face and tell you you're wrong. But a friend loves at all times. Get this. this is, I love this verse. It says, and a brother is born... For adversity, now, that can be translated as brother or sister, but a, I'll just use brother because it's easy for me to talk about. But a brother is born for adversity. In other words, a brother that God puts in your life, whether it be a, 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 blood, a brother of flesh and blood or a brother that God puts in your life, he's there. A sister, she's there for the fight. Adversity. They're there for the fight. They're just not good there for the good times. They're not just good, for, you know, when it, you know, we get to go party together. We get to have good times. They're there for the fights that you have in your life. They're there. When, a, a friend will be there and intervene when you need her or when you need him the most. Amen? Good times, bad times, hard times, all times. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm here. Number two, Jacob was the perfect intervention in this moment because... Not only of his love, but also because of his story. Jacob had a very, very interesting story, which was his past. A lot of times we feel like that the things that we've been through and the things of our past eliminate us from being able to help people. I want to tell you, for the most part, 
it's hard to help somebody if you've never been through anything. You've heard me say this before, but your failures qualify you more than your successes to be able to intervene in people's lives. Now, we don't want to, now if you're an ultimate failure, you know what I'm saying? That's a different thing. There's a difference in losing and being a loser, okay? There's a, there's a difference, all right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about we get up, we wipe ourselves off. Okay, we're going to keep trying. I can learn more from somebody like that. Jacob had a past that gave him the right to speak up in this moment. He, didn't just, he just wasn't, you know, shooting from the hip. His past gave him a right and an authority to speak up in this moment. Son, I have been here before. I have been in your shoes. His timing was not by accident. This moment when she goes, son of my sadness, son of my sorrow, he goes, uh-uh, no, 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 we're not going to name him that. No, we're going to name him something else. We're going to name him Benjamin, son of my right arm. Genesis 25 and 24, let's go back in time to why I believe Jacob did this immediately, why his timing was so good. Jacob, there was a little bit of a dysfunction in his family. When it, when it came time for Jacob to be born, it said this, he was a twin. It says, when the time came for, uh, to give birth, Rebekah, which was Jacob's mother, discovered that she had twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair. So they named him, like a fur coat, so they named him Orangutan. Then, no, I'm just kidding. They, is it red? Okay, no, they named him Esau, which means Harry. They actually named him Harry. They would name you in those days based on, you know, certain situations. So they named Esau, which means Harry. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping at his brother's heel. So they named him Jacob. Now let me tell you this. Firstborn rights were significant. When a, a young man, firstborn rights, you had a double portion to the family's inheritance. And then the rest, it's kind of like this. You got half of the inheritance and the rest of the family split up the other half. That was the, the birthright of a firstborn son. So if there were twins, what would happen is, so the, the, the twins wouldn't get mixed up. They would uh, tie a ribbon around one of the, the boys or, or the first one out that would, around his wrist or his ankle. Well, what happened here, something kind of weird happened. Uh, as Jacob was out, he grabs his brother's heel as to say, you know, in their eyes, they're like, hey, wait, I was supposed to get out first. So he's kind of grabbing his heel. So in an aha moment, everybody laughs and chuckles. They named him Esau, which the Hebrew word for that, or I'm sorry, they named him Jacob, which the Hebrew word for that means heel. Now, we also know that it transfers to deceiver or sneaky guy, but they named him heel. They named him heel. Have you ever heard somebody call somebody, have, have you heard the expression, man, he acted like a heel? That's where it comes from. Well, let me tell you something. Even a heel has a soul. Do you see what I did there? Okay. Even, even a heel has a all right, it wasn't as funny as I thought it was. <laughs> anyway, so they named him heel or sneaky or deceiver, and they named, followed him for half of his life. Can you imagine the disadvantage of being introduced to people and saying, okay, okay, so, all right, so you're going to be counting the money today? Yeah, what's your name? Uh, deceiver. Well, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't, uh, 
Maybe we shouldn't get old deceiver to, to count the money. That name, follow him. It's like owning a business and sabotaging it with a bad name. Can you imagine some of these names? Hey, uh, cheating Charlie's auto repair. Just doesn't, doesn't feel right. I don't, honey, I don't know if we should drop our car off over there. How about this? Klepto Cliffs House Cleaning Services. I don't know. It just, it just didn't hit right. Okay, uh, uh, how about Psycho Sally's Babysitting Services? Honey, I don't want my, I don't, I just don't feel good about dropping my kids off there. Oh, how about this? Dirty Dave's Groceries. I don't know. I just, how about Stinky Steve's Hot Dogs? Don't forget the chili. I don't know. I just, I don't want one of his hot dogs. I just, here's the point. Names matter, don't they? Names matter. And that's what happened to Jacob. Half of his life. He was called this name of heel and deceiver and sneaky. And guess what happened to Jacob? And don't miss this point. He turned out to be everything that his father named him to be. He cheated his brother out of his brother's birthright. He, he deceived his father and ran away from home. And God did business with him. You can read his story. Very, very good story. But here's, here's the deal. Jacob understood what a name could do. God would change his name as I'm going to read in a second. And he turned his life around before he came back home. But Jacob understood what a name could do. Jacob understood what a label could do in a young man's life. He was a survivor. His past and his mistakes and his sin gave him a, a, a life experience, gave him a wisdom to speak up in a moment. That's what we got to do. You think, man, I, I've had people say, well, no, I didn't say anything because I really didn't feel like it was my place. Let me tell you something. If you're there in a moment and you've got a past and you've got a history, listen, don't be insecure about your failures. Those failures give you the opportunity. Those failures qualify you to speak up into somebody's life that needs an intervention. Amen? Jacob was saying, son, I have been in your shoes. It reminds me of a song from way back by Sawyer Brown called The Walk. It goes like this. Down a long, dusty driveway, I didn't want to go, but I set out with tears in my eyes, wondering. Daddy took me by the hand, looked out at the school bus and his little man and said, don't worry, boy, it's going to be all right. Because I took this walk, you're walking now. Boy, I've been in your shoes. You can't hold back the hands of time. It's just something you've got to do. So dry your eyes, I understand just what you're going through, because I took this same walk with my old man, boy, I've been in your shoes. I want to tell you something, it is powerful to be able to speak into somebody's life when you've been there before, and that makes you the perfect intervention, just like it made Jacob, amen? Your story, your past, your wisdom, your life experience, it qualifies you. Lastly, Jacob was the perfect intervention for his son, Benjamin, because of his God, because of his relationship and his walk with God. Jacob had a promise that God put down in his life. I bet Jacob's mind went back in this moment when he was renaming his son. I bet you Jacob's mind went back into a time in his life when everything about his life changed, when he wrestled with the angel. You remember that story in Genesis 32 and 26. He was headed back home. God required of him to go home and face his brother. Go home. Go home. You got to right the things that, that you've wronged. And as he was, God had blessed him. He had prospered him. As he was going back home to see, see Esau and, and be with his family again, he had sent his family across the river, and he stayed on the other side of the river, and he, he prayed all night. And as he did, 
The Bible says that he wrestled with a man. We believe that this was actually an angel of the Lord. It says, then the man said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. And he replied, Jacob. I like that part. He, he knew his name. Say it again. My name's Jacob. Say it again. My name's Jacob. Your name will no longer be called Jacob. Your no, name will no longer be called Heel. No longer deceiver. The man told him, from now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and fought with man and you have won. He wrestled with the things of God. He wrestled with man. So after this moment, God actually named him Israel, which means fighter, which means warrior. He got a brand new name. Have you guys heard of Israel? Have you ever heard of Israel? Of course you have. That's where this comes from. That's where the name comes from. It came from this, Jacob, from heel deceiver to fighter to warrior. Jacob knew the power of a godly name, of godly promise. When God changed Jacob's name, it completely changed his life, and Jacob understood that, the importance of being there. And what did he name his son? He named him Benjamin, which means son of my right arm. Instead of sadness, instead of heel, he named him right arm, which was a sign of strength. It was significant in Bible days. David said, God strengthens my right arm for war. The, the right arm was, was significant for being my, mighty and a valiant warrior. So he was naming him mighty warrior when he was naming him right arm. Now, now you think about the significance of that. Think of the significance of Jacob in the first part of his life when he was named deceiver, what he did and what he fulfilled. But think of Benjamin when Jacob stepped in to his life and intervened at the very beginning of his life and named him warrior, fighter, strong warrior. Think about what that does. Now, I don't know much about the life of Benjamin, what he was, but I can tell you centuries later in 2 Corinthians or 2 Chronicles 12 and 2, the Benjamites come from Benjamin. Now, think about that. Think of being a Benjamite. You were known, basically, when they said Benjamites, they knew that these guys were the strongest fighters. It says this, centuries later, the Benj of the Benjamites, it says they were bowmen and they could shoot arrows and slings with either their right hand or their left hand. They were, they were the fiercest. If you take a look at the history of the Benjamites, they were the fiercest of warriors. This is a sadder story, but there was a civil war between all of the tribes of Israel. And all of the tribes of Israel, all the other 11 tribes of Israel, attacked the Benjamites in a civil war. And the Benjamites defeated the rest of the 12, the first or second battle. It took them three tries to defeat the Benjamites. They were so fierce. So Jacob intervenes and impacted a nation of people by intervening in the life of his son that raised a tribe of warriors called the Benjamites. So intervention means pointing people to the promise of God no matter what they have been through. Amen? Let me close with this. Jacob stepped into his son's life at a critical moment to intervene because intervention is about being the right person, not just about being the right person, but it's also about being the right person at the right time. Timing 
is everything when it comes to intervention. Because some people, many people need you to be there when they need it the most. I want to leave you with a question today before I pray. What's God saying to you today? Is there a person in your life that you've been putting off that you need to intervene in their lives about a situation? Is there somebody that God is dealing with you? Can I tell you something? I want to remind you of what I said. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. When matters. A lot of time we procrastinate. A lot of times we sit back because of insecurities. I want to tell you something. Remember this. Your failures qualify you to be able to intervene in somebody else's life. So as I pray with you, I want you to think about that person that God is dealing with you about today. Also, remember, I want us to always be receptive to what God might want to say to us through somebody else. Amen? So Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. And thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here for you to speak into our lives about the importance of intervention. Lord, I pray that you will speak to fathers and you will speak to mothers about the windows of opportunity, the small fragments of time that we get to intervene in the lives. My prayer for me, my prayer for us today is that we will be there for our kids when we need them the most. And we will be there for our friends and our family when they need us the most because when matters, timing matters. So speak to us today. In the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed today, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus and he's not Lord and Savior of your life. I'd like to lead you to the Lord through prayer today. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. I'm just going to pray, and I just want you to pray with me. If you're watching us online, if the Lord is dealing with you right now, maybe you're not where you should be. Maybe you're not where you should be with the Lord. You walked away from Him at some point in your life, or maybe you've never said Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. Whatever your story may be, if you'll pray with me, you can give your life to the Lord. And if you're here and the Lord is dealing with you about your heart to give your life to him, just repeat this prayer after me and let's, let's all pray together right now. Dear Heavenly Father, as I'm before you today, I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life, to forgive me for all of my sins. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate in faith.